And so uh, I had some time to reflect and maybe reconsider what my life looked like after um, this life quake. And when you go through something that turbulent, you, you feel like you're left with very little, um, which isn't always a bad thing. You're packing lightly. And so you have to be really mindful of what you choose to take with you on that journey in the after. And welcome to The Improvement Project, the podcast about being a better human through good habits, challenging yourself, learning from a wide range of experts, and celebrating all of the little wins along the way. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada. After 19 years of working with patients to help them take on better habits for health and wellness, as well as a year of personal monthly habit challenges, I've learned how our daily choices impact and ultimately create our lives. So I'm getting intentional about my habits and routines, and I'm hoping to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall, your own best self. Today's episode is episode 156 of the Improvement Project podcast, and today I am welcoming back a special guest who we have heard from before, but not in the way you are going to hear from her today. Jamie Henderson is a registered massage therapist and yoga teacher who is also the owner and creator of a fantastic business that helps young girls to gain self-confidence, and that is Gutsy, which stands for Girls United Together in Strength and Yoga. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Peg. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I'm so happy you're here, too. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. It's not going to be in uh, the same way that we've uh, chatted before. I feel like this is the HBO version, the docudrama version of Jamie Henderson from Gutsy. Oh, get ready for some heavy drama, some light drama. Well, yes. depends who you ask. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. So since the last time we've talked to you, you've had some major life changes. So if you feel up to it, can you share what's gone on for you and where you are now? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, we are recording this in June of 2021. And in December of 2020, um, I was married, I had two beautiful stepkids, and it sort of all came crashing down. So my marriage ended at the end of 2020. And in the spring of 2021, I sold my house. I left the town I was living in, which was Gary. I left a practice of 13 years. Um, I left my friends and I came back home, which is London, Ontario. So it's been a bit of a journey, to say the least. Yes, indeed. All right. So Jamie and I have, of course, discussed this current situation that she finds herself in at length. And very... Um, amazingly and vulnerably, she thought that it might be helpful for my listeners who are in a similar situation, who are experiencing something with the same kind of energy, to get a sense of what she's been through and what habits have been helpful for her in this process. So that's it. Jamie, can you share with us some habits that you feel have been helpful to keep you focused and grounded as you have gone through this major life change and transition or what we have learned now to call a life quake. Yeah. And when you experience a life quake, you very quickly 
um, sort of take action, you grab what's important and you run. <laughs> there's no um, going back. So there's sort of the before and the after. And I think in terms of life quakes, this could be any number of things. It doesn't have to be the ending of a marriage. This could be losing a job, losing someone, um, someone passing away in your life. So there's a lot of ways that life quakes can happen, these transitions in life. And actually that term came to me from my aunt who reads a lot of really great uh, self-improvement books. And I will ask her and we can maybe link it below. Um, and one of the things that these transitions, a way of looking at it is, what is the shape of your life? What is the trajectory of your life? And what happens to that shape of your life? It's not linear anymore when these sorts of things happen. So um, the shape of my life changed drastically in December of 2020. And um, I think I, I was actually looking up before we got started, Peg, even though I should know this because I listen to your podcast and we talk pretty regularly uh, about what a habit is. And so I actually looked up the definition and it was interesting because I think it related to the before and after of my life as a result of this life quake. Um, but a habit, the definition I found, is a settled or regular tendency of practice, especially one that is hard to give up. And that hard to give up like hits home in a lot of ways. Um, but it's, it is sort of settled and regular and it takes something like a life quake to shake it up. And so I would say that you can also be in a habit of unhappiness. And I think that's sadly where my husband and I had gotten to. Um, and unfortunately, uh, an act of infidelity sort of created this life quake that spurred me to move forward and move on and move away. And so uh, I had some time to reflect and maybe reconsider what my life looked like after um, this life quake. And when you go through something that turbulent, you, you feel like you're left with very little, um, which isn't always a bad thing. You're packing lightly. And so you have to be really mindful of what you choose to take with you on that journey in the after. So I kind of ended up on three main areas that I focused on in terms of my habits. And one was health, uh, my mental, emotional, and physical health, uh, my happiness, which included what do I love to do and reconnecting with who I was, who I am, who I want to be. Uh, and then hope. And in my case in particular, this encompasses a lot of things, but in particular, um, financially, I was all of a sudden self-employed, um, had left my home, left a successful practice, and you know, having this, I guess, opportunity to start over and rescript what that meant in my life. Jamie, I just want to say while Jamie's taking a second that um, obviously anybody going through this major life change, and if you've been through a life quake of your own, you know that it's not easy when you're going through it, and it's not you're not going to be able to speak about it as articulately as Jamie has over these past few minutes and you're going to have tears and it's going to be in some ways awful but it gets messy before it gets better and that I think probably is 
a key for any change. And the thing I always take out of change in general is that change helps us to grow. So Jamie is a very positive and amazing human, one of my favorite ones. And um, she is growing as she goes through this transition. And I'm so grateful that she has agreed to have this conversation with me and share with you what she feels has been helpful for her as she is landing on her feet and moving forward positively in this life after this life quake. So Jamie, you mentioned health to start with. Do you want to start there and tell us what you've been working on? Yeah, uh, it's a good, uh, good place to start. And <laughs> although I landed on my feet, it was an awkward, like, <laughs> awkwardly landed. This wasn't like a 10 out of 10. Um, so uh, in terms of health, there was sort of the three main areas that uh, I sought out uh, in order to establish some good habits for myself. So in terms of my mental health, I went and saw a professional. I went and talked to someone um, pretty regularly for the first little while to help me sift through like what I was feeling, what was going on, how did my world get here? And I think having someone outside of your, I have some amazing friends who have lent me amazing support, but there is value in having someone professional and um, sort of uninvolved in your situation, help you to extract the important bits of information. So that was one thing that I found uh, establishing this habit of um, like mental well-being in my world and sharing that with people and letting them know I'm a caregiver. I mean, I am the one who takes care of people. And so I think sharing that, even though you're the helper, sometimes finding someone to help you albeit a really challenging thing to come to terms with, <laughs> uh, was very helpful for me. So that was one area. The can, I just, one? can I just add to that, Jamie? So mm -hmm. th I, that resonates with me a lot for sure. But the thing that um, I sort of can add to this is that it's one thing to have good friends and family around you. And absolutely, if you're going through a life quake, make sure that you hold your people close and reach out and ask for help. But also... Uh, your friends and your family are not unbiased. They're very biased. So as a friend of Jamie's, I'm biased about her situation. So what she's talking about with incorporating the help of a professional is she has hired an unbiased professional that can help her negotiate this in a way that is, it doesn't have these charges associated with it that all of the people that love her will have. So there's something to be said for that, finding somebody that can help you navigate it that is going to give you answers that potentially might be different than somebody who really loves you the most versus somebody who's just like, oh, okay, here are the practical matters that we need to deal with. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, as much as I would, um, you know, love to see all the throat punches that were offered come into <laughs> action. <laughs> I'm not sure how helpful that would be for my situation. And the people that love you want to protect you. They want to tell you things to make you feel better. And that's amazing. And you need that. But you also need someone to really guide you through some of the things you need to feel and be uncomfortable about and face about yourself. And that's what I found really helpful in talking to a professional. Awesome. Uh, the second piece of that was uh, journaling. And I know that that word can sometimes make people feel a bit like, ooh. And I will say that that is often how I feel about journaling. I go, ooh. But I 
really lent or sorry leaned into my Mel Robbins five second journal because it's what I had been using already and amidst the turbulence of what I was going through it was my sort of anchor to get me through each day and that was really how I had to approach it, it was one day at a time so Peg and I talked about in our 21 for 2021 um, about time blocking and this was sort of my daily time blocking it was really good for my mental health because it prevented me from trying to get too far ahead of myself and think about things that I wasn't really ready to consider yet so when I say journaling know that it doesn't necessarily have to mean um, that you've gone out into some wilderness and <laughs> like created a birch bark journal and you're like adding watercolor to it which might be beautiful it might work for you um, sometimes it's just a very clearly defined list of things that you need to accomplish in a day to get through that day um, and Mel Robbins adds that lovely section that is something you're grateful for um, and I was actually going back through my journal from that time like because I have it now it's all dated and I was pretty regular right from like the end of December till now and it's lovely to see the things that my brain still picked up on amidst all that turbulence because I it feels like a bit of a whirlwind like I don't the days were blurring together but at least I have this record of kind of where I was at on a daily basis well, and it's so awesome that, and I say this regularly, but gratitude is something that no matter what terrible thing is happening in your life, it will bring you back to the present and it will help you to feel more positive and it will help you take the next steps that you need to take. So that's so great. I, uh, I was grateful for that. I'm grateful <laughs> for <Robbins>. Amazing. And <laughs> also for those who are interested, I will link in the show notes. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but it's the five, what's it called? The five, five second, second journal, five second journal by Mel Robbins. So I'll link that in the, in the show notes for anybody who might be interested in what Jamie's discussing. Uh, so the second piece of, sort of overall health and well-being for me was emotional. And I think part of that ties into the mental health piece. Um, but in terms of the emotional is coming back to that really sort of taking my friends um, offers of help and comfort and sorry, coming back to your friends and family and the people who love you, giving yourself permission to feel loved. Sometimes it's hard for people in general. And I think probably both Jamie and I fit into this category and I've watched Jamie struggle with this and it's been so awesome to see her actually accept help. So I think it's a good habit to get into if you know, or if you have had the pattern in the past where you are someone who is going through something hard and you resist asking for help. And also when it's offered, you resist taking it. Know that the people that love you are offering because they really do want to help. And there's value and vulnerability and growth in receiving help and allowing yourself to be helped. And I've seen that with Jamie over these months and she is growing because she's uncomfortable and that's what it's at. She's uncomfortable receiving help. She's uncomfortable asking for help and she's done it and it's benefited her. It really has. Um, I can't imagine where I would be without it. And then also on that emotional side, uh, one of the other things that was really important and that I was, glad to have kept up as a, as a habit was gutsy 
um, it would have been easy to, to sort of shut down in a lot of those um, things that I'm passionate about during this time, but instead I made the conscious decision that I would continue with Gutsy. I had an online program all through February and then I had my girls outside, um, I want to say March. And yeah, you went through weekly hikes, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we were still meeting every week and going outdoors and so what Gutsy allowed me to do was to show up when I didn't feel 100% and create that habit of recognizing there are things outside of just the situation that are good. Well, and those little girls, when you showed up for them, they appreciated you and it helped you to focus on something other than what you were going through. You felt needed and you felt um, useful and you felt happy and you felt all those things that those little girls in that business brings you. So it's really valuable. And I think Jamie makes a good point that when you're going through something tough, going to the things that bring you joy, that, uh, that sort of um, encourage you to show up, as she said, when you don't feel like it. Yeah, it was a, and I say, I would say the same with family and friends is that reminder of who you are, um, not what you're feeling. Um, Cause you can get lost in that for sure. Okay. Okay. What's, what's next? What's, what's, the, what's the third one? The emotional <laughs> cool. one was emotional, Jamie. It's, it's emotional. Uh, so it's funny because the tears are sort of leading into the next one, which was physical and I can laugh about this now, but I have never been um, good at drinking water. It is a habit that has eluded me for years and years. And I will say that crying my eyes out on the daily for like a few months is very dehydrating. And, it, <laughs> and all I craved was water. <laughs> Looking through my journal and one of my things I was grateful for was an ice maker. And that's because I love ice water. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Amazing. So, uh, one of the habits that I cultivated through heartbreak was drinking water. Drinking more water. And that's one of our foundational habits that we started this podcast with way back when was drink more water. So it's, it's kind of a neat thing that this is one of the things that's been cultivated. Yeah. So uh, this habit of um, nourishing my body again, uh, I think probably a lot of uh, women, women in relationships, women who have kids in their worlds, find maybe the habits that they'd like to have for themselves are maybe a little bit more difficult to achieve around like maybe food or water or those sorts of things because you're also navigating other people's habits and nutritional needs and wants. And that had happened to me, right? I sort of fell into, okay, what's easiest for my family in terms of nutrition? And it wasn't always what I would have um, preferred myself. And so, when this life quake happened, it shook things up and it sort of allowed me to get back into um, habits that felt really good for my body. I'm mostly a vegetarian unless you put a delicious chicken wing in front of me and then all bets are off. So again, this life quake, this interruption of habits that were sort of settled and regular in my life um, created this space for me to recalibrate uh, the things that I wanted to eat on the daily. And that might seem like a small one, but uh, for me, it felt pretty big. I got to um, reconnect with the way that 
my body likes to be nourished. And I thought that was important. Uh, and the last one in terms of physical was sleep. Uh, so coming back to the, you know, crying incessantly uh, is exhausting. <laughs> so it reset my internal clock. Uh, and Peg, you and I have talked about this because you're like, I can't believe you're a morning person now. I can't believe it either. It's something I enjoy when it happens, like in, in the past, but early morning was not my jam. However, going through this, I found myself um, like waking up in a panic early in the morning, just this almost feeling of, was that a dream? Like this sort of like, did that, has, is this really happening? And instead of going back to bed, um, I got up, I kind of ruled with it and it gave me slow mornings, which is something I really crave. Um, it allowed me to have coffee and just sort of be still for a while and then practice some of my mindfulness and meditation because, you know, I had these extra hours of time. And then as a result of that, it also meant that I was going to bed earlier because I had woken up earlier as happens. And now it's fairly ingrained. Like I'm up at 6 a.m. most days without the feeling of panic. So don't worry, that goes away. Um, but that's what sort of kickstarted this initial habit change for me. I've always been a night hawk for almost 40 years. So this was a pretty significant shift. And I have to say, I like it. I really like how it feels. And in my new life here in London, I'm going to be teaching in the morning starting at 8 a.m. So it lends itself nicely to what my new life looks like. Um, this might be a good time to bring this up. So uh, in the past, I've talked a lot about my online pretend best friend, Gretchen Rubin, and she talks about habit strategies. And one of the strategies she discusses on the regular is the habit strategy of the clean slate. And I've done an episode about this fairly recently. So I think that a life quake, a transition in your life, uh, a move like John and I have just done recently, all of these are times when the habit strategy of the clean slate can come into play. So other than the things you've mentioned, Jamie, which is the sleep and the food uh, and, you know, like pretty much everything, but is, can you speak to the habit strategy of the clean slate in your life? Oh yeah. I would say that my clean slate came from taking like the Etch-a-Sketch that was my life and shaking it wildly yeah. <laughs> until everything was not erased. Um, but obviously it, everything is sort of, I'm, I'm creating a new um, design for my life. And so the clean slate is a big part of it because I think when we come back to that word habit and the definition of it, that settled or regular tendency of practice, when everything in your life is unsettled, when nothing is regular anymore. And in my world, I, I think I said this at the beginning, um, you know, yeah, my marriage ended, that was part of the, the life quake, but I also chose to leave the town I had lived in for 13 years um, and move back home and leave my work, um, which I love and care very deeply about. So if that's not a blank slate, I don't know what is. When you have that blank slate, it can almost be overwhelming though, I will say, um, to figure out what you want to reintroduce into the blank slate. And I think that's where taking some time and for me working with like a professional to figure out what I want and need in my life moving forward was important, taking that time, uh, which as Peggy knows for me, 
<laughs> uh, I'm not slow moving. I just want to get after it. So this has been an exercise in patience for me, which is uncomfortable and I'm still in the uncomfortable stuff, but these habits, like some of these habits that I've mentioned today are, um, sort of insulating my brain and giving me a template for what my new world looks like and what I want to reintroduce into it. So okay. Think, awesome. Yeah. I think the blank slate is, is a very powerful, powerful tool. Do I recommend the sort of upheaval I've currently gone through as a strategy? Nope. But I just want to let people know that if you are going through something like that, um, if you can take a moment and reframe it or parts of it uh, into that blank slate that you can now um, sort of create some scaffolding around to, to build a life that, that has meaning for you, then I think it's a really, can be a really great opportunity. That might be a nice segue. One of the things you mentioned when you were listing off the habits was hope. Now, first of all, I don't want to jump ahead. Did you did we miss something in the middle? Yeah, there was uh, so sort of in the middle was happiness. Um, okay, so let's go there. Tell tell me about your habits for happiness. Yeah, so my habits for happiness was really trying to figure out what makes me happy. Um, I had, uh, in going through all of this, this is going to be a gooder when I'm able to say it. Okay. Hang on to your hats. Okay. Ooh, I highlighted it. It's, it's deep. It's good stuff. All right. Let's hear it. But it's going to bring on the tears. I better drink some water. <laughs> um, so in going through all this, I, I thought I had lost The love of my life. Um, and I had, but not in the sense that I thought. Um, it was, it was me that I lost. Um, I lost myself. And um, I think Finding those um, those things in your life that make you happy was a big part of rebuilding um, this next chapter. So that gets tricky because when you're in when you're in it, it can be really hard to step back far enough to know what does make you happy. And um, I've spent a lot of time uh, thinking about this and you know, talking to Peggy about it and um, a lot of my other friends too and sort of trying to dig in because that's where I think the healing happens is um, reconnecting with the things that make you happy and building those back into your world. So for example, um, I'm teaching right now and in my business course, um, there's this really nice, uh, 
intersection in our course about things that make people happy and how do we incorporate them into our practice as massage therapists. So for example, one of the things we talk about is if you love being outdoors, um, how can you build that into your practice maybe? And so you could offer a mobile massage and you could maybe go to people and offer massage in an outdoor space. And so I think that's what this next chapter is about is finding those things, the 10 things that I really love to do and how do I build them into this new life? How do I make them just a part of my day to day? And um, when I look at them, you know, things like creating, things like um, being outside, uh, the sort of things that really bring me a lot of joy on a personal level, uh, I can build those into my life through Gutsy. I can be creative and be outside and be working. And so it doesn't have to just be all about like delineating work and play. Uh, I think it's finding ways to put play into your work. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's also cool how like you have the choice right now with this new beginning of sorts to create it however you want to. And I think that's a really positive message to come out of your life quake in particular, but maybe for other people who have gone through something, getting creative about what do they really want to do that makes them happy. I think that's a, a really lovely message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, um, it can be daunting and uh, and more challenging than you think to to really sit down and so i would challenge any of your listeners whether they're going through a life quake or not um is to sit down and write that list of the 10 things you really love to do those things that light you up and it can be as simple as you know taking your time in the morning to drink a cup of coffee do you like big things right like i don't even know it's going to be very personal and individual and then write a list of the 10 things that you spend most of your time doing and then see how many of them connect and then how can you tie in those things that you really love to do more frequently into the things that you know you have to do there's non-negotiables in our daily lives i have to work <laughs> i can't i can't pick retirement quite yet it's a little early uh so how can i build that that joy that happiness into my life on the regular it's really cool because it's like, uh, we've talked about the strategy of habit stacking in the past, and this is like just up levels it a little bit. So it's happiness habit stacking. I like it. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. I'll move on to the last one because I'm about to get dehydrated again. Um, <laughs> okay. You got it. You got it. I got this. Uh, so the last uh, sort of habits that I want to build uh, relate to hope. And for me at this time, uh, they relate mainly to financial goals. This is a big shift in my world. Um, uh, you know, selling our home and leaving my practice means that, you know, I have come to London unemployed and uh, unhomed. Uh, now, I'm lucky enough that I am staying with my mom on the family farm because, you know, I can be a strong, independent lady and live in my mom's basement. Those two things can coexist. Uh, <laughs> That's true. That's true. That is true. Um, but looking at it in terms of this being an important time for me to build some habits around my finances. And I'll be very open. Like that has not been an area that I've 
enjoyed working in. I get a bit uncomfortable. I, money has never been um, a huge motivator for me, but it is a tool. And Peggy used that term a lot when we talk about it. And so uh, I like tools. I'm all about DIY, but this is another <laughs> area where I need to enlist the help of some professionals to help me manage and, and give me some, uh, some structure around how do I do this? Because this isn't an area that I feel particularly adept at. And I would say that probably a lot of people who go through this sort of life quake where you're, you're ending a marriage or losing a job, you're going to come up against this very scary, you know, practical matters. What am I going to do financially? Right? Like that, that was sort of like pretty high up there on the list of questions I was asking myself. And so, um, I am going to be talking to a financial advisor. Um, I have built already some better habits around tracking my money. Uh, when you're self-employed, you have to have um, some discipline around how you interact with money and what that means to you. So for me, financially building these habits gives me hope because one of my goals um, in the near future is to purchase a home of my very own that uh, that I can settle in and start to build this new life out of. And so having these habits in place so that I can get to that next level, I think um, is an important step in that journey. Yeah, I think that um, you're absolutely right. I think it's important for everybody to kind of take a step back, whether or not they've had the life quake or not, and just sort of re-examine where they at with their finances. And um, on a future episode of the Improvement Project, we will be coming back to those financial habits because I think they are so important. Mm -hmm. um, all right, well, Miss Jamie, is there anything else that you would uh, like to share or in any way that you would like to wrap up this subject matter that you have so um, vulnerably discussed today? Tearfully. Tearfully. <laughs> Um, you know, what? I don't know if there's a succinct way because I'm still in it. I'm not through it. I'm not in any way, shape or form, like on the other side of, you know, this journey. Um, but I think it's important that partway through to kind of share the fact that there are opportunities for some growth, for some reflection, um, in these life quakes, in these transitions that happen. And, uh, and trying to be just very honest with myself about how I'm going to move forward and what I need in my life to move forward. And having these habits, I want to take this moment of feeling unsettled and irregular in my life and build in new habits that feel good when they've settled in and they are part of my new regular, my new normal, right? Whatever that looks like. So, um, and those habits, because they are hard to give up, I want them to be really great habits, right? If that's what a habit is, is something that's so ingrained that's really hard to give up, why not make them as positive as possible and as helpful as possible? Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Jamie. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy that you have shared this with my listeners. I know it's going to be helpful for people. And I know that the other side is going to be even more amazing. So you keep going and get after it. And I'll be here for the ride. Thanks, Peg.
And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my guest and my friend, Jamie Henderson. Let me know if what she shared today has been helpful at all for you as you navigate a struggle in your own personal life or as you guide and help someone else go through something similar. For questions or comments, send an email to theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. You can come and say hi on the socials. I'm on Instagram at drpeggymalone. You can always get my attention by using the hashtag theimprovementproject. As usual, you'll find all the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at theimprovementproject.com. If this episode was helpful at all for you, please be sure to tell a friend and share it with them. This is the number one way that new listeners find this podcast. So if you found it helpful or entertaining, pass it on. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join our community. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it. You need to put a disclaimer on this. Make sure you have water and tissues. (laughs) Because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. This episode is guaranteed to dehydrate.